Welcome to the Win Daily Show. I got Jack Settlement here from Whistle Sports Creative Snapback. Jack, how you doing today, man? Doing all right. Can't complain. You got a big day ahead of you, but I want to start this off where you started off. What was your original plan that got you to where you're at today? Like, what was the first goal that you had that got you on your way? I didn't have one. And I think that's what makes my path funny. And I still don't have one. People ask me what I want to do with what I have. And I genuinely don't know. I'm just loving what I'm doing right now. And I should be more forward thinking. And it's not to say I don't plan, but it goes back to my origins, which was my family business is beer distribution. And we sell to the Ravens and the Orioles. So sports business has always been the core of what I am. Like if the Ravens win, it's great. I'm a diehard Ravens fan, but it means more because it means we sell more beer. We play in the playoffs. That's extra added revenue to the family business. So that's kind of always been what I had a passion for was the business side of sports. And then I'm also a diehard sports fan. So it's perfect. But my plan, if I had to go back, I knew I wasn't going to be an athlete. Uh, Well, a professional athlete to say the least. Probably GM. I think GM being in the front office would have been the coolest thing for me, but I kind of like the path I veered onto. Okay. So how did you get your start in sports? Like what was the the first job or what was the first thing that you really did to say, you know what, I'm landing in sports. Has it been working with your, your parents' business to start that early or what happened after college that really got you going? It's a good question. I didn't really actually work on the business side of sports with my family business. I was more stocking shelves and stuff. Um, but the sports stuff came when I started to intern for companies. I actually interned for Whistle my sophomore year of college, then hashtag sports. I worked for Action Network. So that's kind of my brief history. But really, middle school was the first business sports I was doing. I was stringing lacrosse sticks, mini sticks, because I'm from Maryland. The lacrosse craze is insane. And that was kind of my entrepreneurial venture was I would buy these sticks, make cool strings, and then sell them to kids in my class. Gotcha. So what, you know, now that you've been in the game for so long now, even though you're young, you've been crushing it. What advice would you give to somebody who's a high school kid who just graduated high school or going into college? You know, what would you give them as advice to break into the sports world? Because it's not a good industry to start off in because you usually start off at the bottom, bottom, bottom working for free. What would be your advice to them? I would say you have to be a jack of all trades. There's no more important time than right now to know how to do a hundred things. So just by off experience, my whole mindset is go do stuff, go do it. I don't care if your podcast gets two listens, your YouTube video gets two listens, you make merch and your merch gets literally zero purchases. Your experience building a Shopify site, learning how to produce a podcast, learning how to market, learning how to make a YouTube video, titling, thumbnailing, all that stuff. If you can do all those categories, you're so valuable versus, okay, he's good at tweeting or he's smart in sales. Like if you can sell, if you can do all those different range of topics, you're going to be incredibly valuable to a company. And the way you do that, in my opinion, you can learn from other people, from YouTube class, but just like go and do stuff and fail and you'll pick up a ton of new skills. That's a good good piece of advice there, man. For you to get through it all, like I still struggle with YouTube. Yep. Twitter is something I'll never figure out, I think, all of my life because it's just how do you get engagement there? But you started off social. Your biggest platform, if I got it right, was Snapchat. Yep. You saw an opportunity there and you just devoured the sports market on <laughs> Snapchat, which, you know, it's to your credit. Instead of like 
battling against everybody in a different field, maybe on IG or Facebook, yeah. you went to where nobody was playing yet and you just took over the game. So what made you pivot to Snapchat and how did you take over that market? That question couldn't be more accurate of what actually happened. So right. I'll take it back. My sophomore year of college, I came up with a business with my uh, roommate and best friend, and we were making sports phone cases. So we made them with John Wall and Trey Lyles and a couple athletes. And we were marketing only through social media, not Facebook ads, not Instagram ads, like paying pages to shout us out. So that's how we sold. But the revenue or the profits weren't great because that was a lot of cost to just get our word out there. So then I was like, what if we just own the page? So that's when I was like, I want to create this page. I want to get paid to advertise stuff. It's actually worse to be on this side of the business. So I looked at the market. Instagram was becoming very crowded. Twitter was already fully ridden of, of crowded space. And then no one was on Snap. And the vertical frame of Snap was actually really conducive to sports. So I was like, I don't know, I'll try Snap. I know how to grow on Snap. I know some people who can help me get started there. So I went to Snapchat and then obviously six, nine months later, probably Instagram replicates their story feature. But I still believe Snapchat is the best swipe up feature, which is the most important to me because that's how you drive business. No, it's smart. Now, I never had a post go viral. I've had some pretty cool stuff happen. The other day yeah. I had this hat I'm wearing now opened by Dave Portnoy on the unboxing Yeah, story for another time because he didn't he actually see the real gift inside <laughs> the box. But have you ever had a post go on viral and was it the post that you thought it would be or it just happened to go? So a lot of what I was doing in the beginning days of Snap was just posting highlights. So this stuff is already viral stuff. I wasn't creating content. So it wasn't until probably nine, 12 months ago where I started the podcast, started the YouTube, and started making a ton of my own content. And the virality, it's a special formula. And it doesn't just happen. Like no one's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I'll throw it out there. Like these are pe people who constantly go viral. They're DMing stuff to bigger agencies or to publishing companies. So my most viral moment was just recently at Ennis Cantor on the podcast. And okay. every podcast we have, me and my co-host afterwards are like, okay, what social clip should we make? And it's normally like a good quote or something. And we couldn't think of anything. And then I was like, wait, he literally said his first experience was eating Cheez-Its with milk and he thought it was cereal. So like, that's a great moment. And we're thinking about it and we're like, okay, normally we'll just pull the clip, put some captions on it into a template, tweet it out. That's not even gonna go viral. So we had a designer create a mock-up of Ennis Cantor making a gross face, eating Cheez-Its out of like a, a bowl of cereal. So then after that, it takes another level. I send it to my friend who runs NBA Retweet. I send it around, obviously with Whistle, I can post it. And then it gets so much social hype that Ennis Cantor posted it on his own Instagram. So and that's, when that's, how, that's the combination of things it takes to go viral. And we've probably made a thousand social clips. So it really takes a lot and it, it, it's a process. Yeah, it's not like I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, all right, I think I got the idea. I'm going to post this and it's going to, it's just going to take off. And yeah. then, like you're sitting there on Twitter, on G, like it's an awesome idea. Why is this not going off? Right. There's so many different levels and nobody really understands. And sometimes you look at something else. I was like, this guy wrote this, right. and he was a nobody. <laughs> and then this thing blew up. Like, I don't get some of these formulas, but 
I think the I, most important part, though, is is why do you want to go viral, number one? And then what do you do if you have that moment? Are you prepared if someone comes to your page? Because if you're on Twitter, they click your profile, they see pretty much your pin tweet and your bio. Is that enough for them to shoot you a follow? Same thing with Instagram, same thing on Snap. Like You have to be constantly storytelling and have a full-blown image to where people can come and in a split second decide okay, they went viral. Are they going to go again? And do I want to follow along? That, that poses a good question to me. And I want to ask you, because you're the expert in this field in social media. What do you think makes somebody follow an account, whether it's on IG or Twitter? What is the end all be all? Is it a good background picture? Is it a good story? A couple of good posts? What is that secret sauce? I think number one, if someone comes to your profile, they need to know what you do exactly in that first second. So you could do multiple things. I do a lot of things. I do sports analysis. I do YouTube. I'm on Snap. I have merchandise. And those are listed out clearly in my Instagram bio. So you know exactly what you're getting. And then if you go through my first three posts, you can see, okay, my girlfriend's on there. Okay. So he's in a relationship. Uh, number two, and that's important for her to know that she's uh, up there. Number one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a picture of me and a podcast guest, so Derek White from the Spurs. Okay, so he does. He talks to professional athletes. And then three, there's a YouTube video. So I kind of tell the picture. If, if they're interested in any of those three things, maybe they do a little deeper dive. They do some more research on what – and then they figure out, you know, who is this person? Do I want to follow along for more in the future? What do you got going on in the future as far as social? You've been kind of creator, innovator on social. You put a lot of time into it. I'm trailing you personally, trying to figure out all the levels mm-hmm. and you know how to post and how to put everything together and sync it. Where do you see the future coming, especially now we're on quarantine? Does that affect things? And what are you planning for the future? Quarantine's been a gold mine for me because I just don't too many meetings, too many dinners, clients, etc., games, all that. Now I finally had a chance to make a ton of my own content and build and grow, etc. So I've taken this time and just doubled down on myself pretty much. But a lot of people are gonna say TikTok. I'm not the most bullish on TikTok. I'm curious to see how they monetize the platform. They will, they have a strategy. But you have to be super, super creative to constantly crush TikTok or be a pre-existing celebrity. So if unless you're like in that 1% of creative, you're not going to crush TikTok. So I have gone away from TikTok. And actually, I'm, I'm putting a lot of effort into IGTV. I think they want to be YouTube. YouTube works. It's on an Instagram platform, which is the most used social media uh, platform. And they're going to turn on monetization. So I think that's going to get a lot of creators coming back to the platform, building in vertical. You see Quibi launched an app, which is heavily in vertical. Snap, their product got stolen from Instagram because vertical is what's in. So I love the vertical. I think monetization is coming and I've put a lot of assets into IGTV. So explain it to the the listeners. How is IGTV different? If they wanted to get started on IGTV, how is that different from going live or how's that different and how would you set up a proper IGTV channel? IGTV is going to be two to five. Think about YouTube. YouTube's you want content probably eight plus minutes, preferably 10 plus up to an hour. IGTV I'm aiming for anywhere between two to five minutes. An Instagram feed post can only be a minute. So IGTV is like that sweet spot of two to five, which is easily consumable. 
and you don't have to post it direct to your profile. It can live on just your Instagram TV. So it really just lives there as like library content. Everything has to be vertical. So, I mean, any clips have to be edited in a vertical format. If you use the square and then just resize it and you have like black borders essentially in a vertical, it's not going to perform as well. Uh, but so when you say vertical, let me cut you off. When you say yeah. vertical, explain it to the listeners. Cause I know it's, it just yeah. rolls off your tongue, but <laughs> other people might not understand what you're saying and you got yeah. a lot of good knowledge in your head. So I'm trying to get it all out for everybody. totally, totally. So you can look up the dimensions. The dimensions are actually different. So YouTube is horizontal, right? It's yep. a wider screen. Instagram tends to be a square and then vertical is an Instagram story or an Instagram live. It's that vertical. It's the, it's the size of your phone. phone That's yeah, what okay. it's top, it's top to bottom on your phone. So creating content through that lens is a very unique opportunity and it's where a lot of media is going. Okay. So I'm going to tell everybody, take a look at that. Yeah. Now, look at IGTV. You work for a brand and then you've also created a very successful brand for yourself. And I consider you a personal brand. Like you're, and you're not somebody who's faking it, who just says, yeah, I have, I'm taking yeah. pictures on yachts. No, you're <laughs> interviewing Mark Cuban and people want to speak to you. Just like, I want to speak to you and learn from you. Personal brands. Like I, I'm a believer in Gary Vee. And he said, and a couple other people said, he's not the only one to say it or Grant Cardone, a couple other people I follow said the real commodity this day, these days are not how much money you have in your bank account. It's how much attention you can get from the people. And I think you got the attention. And when you have the attention, you can now push them in this direction or that direction to that product or this audience. Um, how did you build a personal brand and what separates your personal brand from your personal career that you have at Whistle? So now it's all blending together and it's just becoming who I am. And I think that's actually very important because you don't want to have to be bucketed. Okay, I'm going to work here and I'm doing this. And then when I'm outside of work, I'm this person. I want to be the same person. I want to be the person people are coming to for sports analysis, for funny sports clips, the guy who knows a lot about sports, but within the personal brand. And I agree with Gary Vee. I, I, if we had the money to put as much money into building our own personal brand. It makes sense as an investment. It's paid off for him. But there's also a tipping point of like how much, like you have to spend, spend, spend. And then eventually one day, if you grow big enough, it's worth it. In between, it gets foggy. So that's why I've seen a lot of people stray away from the personal brand. But the personal brand doesn't also have to mean 100,000 followers. It has to mean when someone, when someone says your name, what are the first three things that come to their head? And a big thing, a big shift in my personal brand is I'm adding sports cards to mine. So now people are going to see a lot more sports cards content. I'm posting my Instagram story on my snap story. And they, when they have questions or thoughts or they have a card they want to sell, like they're going to come to me. And I've seen a noticeable shift in that just by content I'm posting, showing a familiarity with it. So you can kind of frame your personal brand however you want, but you have to pick specific things. Yeah. Um, I'm not too happy about this uh, sports cards movement because I grew up in the eighties and yeah. I got like a million cards. When I say like a million cards, yep. my mom, my closet is full and I got a couple Jordans and I got a couple, you know, like nice rookie cards uh -huh. that are worth a couple dollars, but nothing like it is today, man. Cause you know, they overproduced in the eighties and the early nineties where there were so many cards yep. and then, you know, they kind of fell off and now all of a sudden they reduced the volume where you can get 
a card that's one of 10 or one of 100, and these things spike dramatically in the last couple of years. I was shocked when someone, Gary, brought it up like a couple of years ago, about a year ago. I'm like, oh, don't tell me cards are now valuable again. I got all these worthless cards at home. I'm seeing them pop. And, you know, if you're on the right move right now, What's your best card you have right now? You have, are you collecting? I'm assuming you're collecting yourself at the same time, Yeah, right? I'm doing a combination of collecting, investing, and then content. So I'll break those three down. So collecting is like my personal collection. I'm a Ravens fan, Lamar Jackson. I've been preaching Lamar Jackson since day one. So I'm going to be collecting his cards. In terms of investment, I don't love Lamar as an investment. I think it could be an investment in the future, but I don't love where he's at in the market. So that's, right yeah. yeah, it's like you're the only person you could buy higher than him is Mahomes, but Mahomes has the floor of a Super Bowl win. Yep. Like Lamar hasn't won a playoff game. All he has yep. is the MVP. So that's my personal collection. Investing, I'm invested in players that I know their floors. So Michael Jordan, LeBron James, they have championships. They're the two greatest players ever. So I have those cards. And then investing in players who I think, have a high floor. So like Giannis, like Giannis is going to be a two-time MVP if the NBA season resumes and it's impossible to not see him winning a championship at some point in his career. So I hope so. I, yeah, I, I, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm invested in Giannis. That's more of a risk than obviously a LeBron or MJ card. And then for content, opening boxes, doing fun stuff like that, whether it's a $3,000 box that national treasures will send me or whether it's a Panini $20 pack, like, it's fun to play that lottery gambling aspect. Yeah. It's a different form of gambling on sports that isn't as, as much of a risk. It's not a win-loss. It's a win or a loss momentarily, but you can hold cards, you can trade, you can flip. So that's why it's been a lot of fun to actually get into sports cards. Yeah, when I saw the hype come around like about five months ago, one of my writers like, if you want to get in, this is the box to buy. So I started opening up the box. Yeah. And it was like a baseball box, whatever it was. And I was it's like, you got to get a Guerrero Jr. card or this card yep. for it to really pay out. I didn't get it, but it was still fun opening up those packs. I, I bought a box, a couple hundred bucks, and it didn't work out for me. But I can definitely see myself bringing back that, that phase I had as a kid because that was my number one passion. Besides playing sports, it was collecting cards. Every dollar I got went to card collecting back in the days. and. I went back and looked. I got a couple of decent ones, but nothing like there is today. With yeah, the everyone, yeah, everyone is like, I collected cards. Let me go check my collection. <laughs> and 99 out of 100 times, you're going to be bummed out. Even though you had all the stars back Perhaps, then, yeah. they're not worth anything, which, which can definitely deter people because it can be expensive to get into the industry or you're going to play a type of gambling. Yeah. But I think there's going to start to come around a lower market where like if your favorite, if you want your favorite player, he is going to be worth something right now. If your player isn't an all-star, he's, you can get him for a dollar. Yeah. 10 cents. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. So let me ask you another question about your personal brand now. Like from what I see from the outside, it's just Jack. Yeah. But I'm assuming you're a leader and you have either a team of network, like a network that just huddles around you when you're ready to go, or you actually have some people behind the curtain that you're leading. Um, so what makes you a great leader? 
I'm assuming you have people. Do you have a team around you or is it oh. just you doing everything? I, I mean, look, I have, I don't have a team. That's for sure. I have people who are super helpful. So like I have a co-host of the podcast. I couldn't do the podcast without It's my best friend. We have great chemistry. My brother is in some YouTube content. I have a guy I text, I pay him 50 bucks a week and he makes me YouTube thumbnails, but he's not on, you know, I'm not paying him outside of a here or there. I edit all the videos myself. I'm part of Blue Wire's podcast network, so they actually handle producing that, but that's, I don't pay them. That's more of a revenue share. And then Whistle is super helpful. So Whistle, if I'm doing anything high-level content, merchandise, et cetera, they're there for support, hosting, designs, all that good stuff. But the majority of 95% of stuff is me, which is, it shocks people, but I like to, it keeps me nimble and I don't have to worry about, you know, quarantine hits, add dollars are gone. How am I paying, you know, someone who's working for me? No, it's a great spot to be in right now. I'm in a similar position. You know, we have a team, I have some overhead, but I don't have an office in New York city. I don't have rent and all this extra overhead so I can pivot. So we pivot a lot of our content to esports just mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that we can gamble on and play fantasy on as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. yeah when I woke up this morning, we had a user win a thousand dollars. Another user win a thousand dollars. One of our writers won 3000 and another writer wrote won $6,000 on esports. Yeah. I never thought that day would come where we're hyping up esports. Cause I'm not a big gamer at heart, you know, outside of college, which was 15 years ago, never really gained much. Um, but let me ask you another question. What do you think makes a great team? Like a team of, not a team of basketball, but a team like at Whistle or a team that you built around, what makes a great team? You got to have people who are bought in. You got to have a leader who's works the hardest, but is the most selfless. So all the credit goes to everyone, but they all know you're actually working the hardest. And I think if I do, and when I do build out more of a team around me, like they'll see now that I'm home in quarantine, I wake up at nine and then I, I don't finish working till like 1am some days, editing videos, captioning. Like I do the dirty work, the gritty work. So I would love to delegate that stuff, but you do have to put in the work yourself and be the hardest worker. They say it about every great player and every great player is part of a great team. No one wins a championship by themselves. So know your role, kind of let put people in the places, build them up, but also expect the best from them. So a great leader helps with the team, but players who are bought in and players are workers, employees, whatever type of team you're building. Yeah. So what do you think comes out of quarantine? I'll ask you another question about that. What do you think happens in sports? When do you think we get our sports back? I'm not looking for a definitive date, but you know, pick your favorite sport. If it's basketball, what do you think happens? You think we go straight to Vegas and in a couple of months, they're playing the playoffs. What, what's your outtake on the future of sports and how it kind of changes now after the coronavirus? It sounds like sports are going to be fanless for a while. Just based off my conversations on the podcast, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, they all sat. Football is a little more optimistic, but we talked to Ian Happ from the Cubs and he was like, you know, think about how comfortable you would be going to a stadium. You don't know where this person's been. You don't know who they are. Like, 
right now we're still at a place where I won't let my cousins in the house because that's Same, just it's a safety thing, right? Yeah. But in reality, they've been self-quarantining. They've been home. They're, they're realistically, they haven't shown symptoms for two weeks, and we're still cautious. Now you're telling me I got to go to Madison Square Garden, sit next to the guy who could have taken the sub. But it's going to be very interesting. In terms of just getting on the field, it does feel like we're kind of moving in the right direction. It might be a few months, and playing without fans will be weird. But I think an announcement came out that the industry's projected to lose $64 billion. And these are smart business people. They know just getting players on the field will at least fix a little bit of that revenue loss, and they're going to make an effort to do that. So when do I think it happens? The first U.S sports game i think will be baseball really okay I, th- I think it'll be baseball and i think it'll come in august september but right after that i think nba season's done i really really don't. yeah i just don't see a scenario where you're not bleeding into next season i think football will be fine how do you play football without people in the stands that we can ask the Bengals, but it just seems like a complicated situation like you're going to want 70,000 people in that stadium. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see them giving up on this NBA playoff run. I think people, they have to see this LeBron versus Kawhi LA, LA matchup. You want to see Giannis's, you know, chance to get yeah. his ring. If it does play out, who's your team that takes it down? So all year and right when the season you know, was put on pause, I was Clippers. And the more I'm just sitting here realizing, thinking, I think it's the Bucks' time. I think this is the Giannis year. I Did think, you read that article about how Giannis and Middleton don't have a hoop at their house? They've been <laughs> sitting home without a hoop, which I thought was crazy when I heard it that. Is, that out. is crazy, especially because Jimmy Butler like sent hoops to the entire Miami Heat team. It's crazy that an NBA player wouldn't be able especially to get at a that hoop. caliber. Yeah, right. Um, but I think like the East is easier, much easier. It's going to be a dogfight to get out of the West. The Bucks have been the best team all year. People forget it because like the Lakers beat them in a in a home game, like. The whole season shifted when a whole when the Lakers beat the Bucks in a home game. Yeah, like is that really that big of a deal? No, and they wanted to make LeBron MVP. Give LeBron all the hype. The Clippers match up too well with the Lakers. It's a matchup thing. That's what sports yeah. are. The Lakers with LeBron are superpower, but the Clippers just can match up well against them. And then they also match up well with the Bucks. But I think Giannis might just go supernova and carry Milwaukee to a title yeah I got the Clippers I'm gonna stay with the Clippers I think they're too deep they're yeah. free agent pickups um their mid-season pickups are Reggie Jackson and Morris it adds more to that bench Lil Williams Montrez off the bench defensively they got too much for the Lakers too I'm not the biggest LeBron fan as far as his clutchness I think he's a great guy yeah I had the argument on Sirius um on Saturday and Sunday with the last dance coming out that He's not in that MJ category for me. I'll even slide in Kobe at number two. Yeah, I don't go that far. So I'm a Michael Jordan one guy, without a doubt. Okay. I am more adamant that it's MJ and LeBron, and then there's a whole gap between number three, than I am the gap between MJ and LeBron. So I I actually agree to that. 
I actually think LeBron is like very clearly the number two greatest basketball player of all time. Still has his career, still could surpass Michael Jordan. I think MJ is the GOAT. But I I think anyone who doesn't think it's those two, they're wrong. Yeah, it's got to be those two. Kobe kind of, he's been trickling into my mind yeah. in the last couple of years. After I saw his documentary, The Muse, I just got a new level of, right. you know, strength he's a, on Kobe. Yeah, he's, well, that's the question I then phrased, right? Is like people want to say, all right, Michael's the greatest winner of all time, best resume, but LeBron's the best basketball player which you could totally make an argument for. I don't necessarily agree with, but I, I hear that. Yeah. But then I ask, game seven, NBA finals, who are you taking? LeBron makes his teammates better. LeBron can do more. He can pass. He can score. Okay, I'm taking Michael Jordan because yeah, I want to win the basketball yeah, game. Yeah, and still. it's no conversation about it. So yeah. that's kind of where I divide the line. All right, so last question of the show. Um, I consider myself having a win daily mindset. That's why I came up with the brand. Um, taking small victories, you know, just trying to find a win in anything, even a win in a, in a defeat. I think you've got a similar mindset. Maybe you're not calling it the win daily mindset. Maybe you call it, I work harder than everybody and I don't care who says what, I'm still going to get shit done type of mentality. But what's your win daily mindset or something that you carry with yourself every day? I love that win daily. I didn't realize like, because you come from a gambling DFS, a little background with the company, I didn't realize like, think about in terms of life, win every day and you're going to succeed. Because we were just talking on the pod about, you know, I hate making my bed and I don't do it. But James Washington from the Steelers was like, you know, if you do that, I come from a military background. It's like you, you won your first task of the day. Um, so I thought that was very interesting, which is why I love Win Daily. My mindset, it's not, I, I'm not one of those like kill yourself, work 18 hours a day. I don't believe in that. I think there's plenty of hours in the day to get stuff done. I think it's just like be nice and foster relationships. That's how I win. It's like genuine relationships. Now that we've had the podcast, you're a genuine friend. Instead of just a LinkedIn DM, like now face to face, we'll talk, we'll catch up. And like, I have that relationship and your network is your net worth. So there's no more industry than the sports industry that that's true. You're, you get connected, you go places, go to all-star weekend in Chicago. You see the people who know people they're in every party. They don't wait in any lines and the parties don't really matter. But in terms of business, it really is those relationships. So just having good relationships with people, genuinely good, not using them to get to the next step. It's kind of how I look at life. Yeah, 100%, man. I definitely agree to that. Like, I I know I'm not the smartest dude in the room. I just try to surround myself with other smart people. So mm-hmm. I never let ego get in the way. And I think you do the same thing. Like, you just got to have good people around you and do good by them. Like, never try to take advantage of other people. Always try to put your best foot forward. And don't expect stuff back. Just be good to people and good things will happen to you. And that's kind of been my approach as well. Like, Certain people say you always get lucky. I, I don't really call it luck. You just need to be <laughs> luck is in the so right funny. place and yeah. the right mindset. Like a lot of people, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say this in the wrong way. They said this quarantine has been so terrible yep. and it's depressing. Yep. And listen, if you were affected by it and you got sick or a family member got sick, and I do have family members got sick and they recovered. I'm in New York right now. But without all that, if you're home right now, you got to hit the pause button and pretty much do anything you wanted to do for this mm-hmm. past month. Like 
the people who took advantage of it, like I know you had. I was talking to my mom the other day. She's like, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm cleaning the house. I'm like, don't you want to do something with this time? Like all those times you said, I don't have time for this. Isn't this that time to, whether you pick up a book or create some content or challenge yourself to do something during this time, work out, lose weight, spend more time with your family. This is the time. Is that positive mindset that I said, this is a blessing. Like this, this time that I have with my family and my, my business, everything else has been a blessing. And I know your first words was I get to do me right now. And you're probably just stacking up this content that's going to hit us all in the next on, couple of weeks. On top of that, and not even from a business sense, like I looked at it and now it's me, my brother, my mom and dad. I'm 23. He's in college. Like there's literally never a scenario where the four of us would have ever lived in the house together, eaten dinner together for more than two nights in a row or on vacation ever again. And now in my 20s, I get an opportunity to kind of go back home and live with my family. That's never happened in the existence of the world. So that's pretty special. You actually get that. Obviously, health is first. And I can I hear when people lose their jobs and whatever. But to a degree, it is survival of the fittest. And I think if you're not able to pivot, some com- I mean, my parents both have companies and their companies get smashed by the quarantine and their businesses can't, but you have to be able to pivot and figure out and innovate and be smart. And it's either a life lesson, so people are going to lose their jobs and be miserable for years, but they learned a lot, or you're very nimble and you crush this time and then you succeed. Yeah. You know, I think the, the people, like I, I told all my guys, you know, this is, this is a huge positive right now. We get to hit the pause button, figure out what we we're doing wrong, right. what we can do right reestablish ourselves and then when we come back you know there's people ahead of me there's people ahead of you but if you work your ass off over these next couple of months you could come back to the market exactly. above them or equal to them and then becomes a huge opportunity for your brand there like that so dude i know you got a big interview later on today <laughs> just so everybody by the time you're listening to this you're probably already listened to jack's interview with mark cuban so congrats on that man keep on doing big things and I'm a fan, man, you know, on the sidelines looking in. So anytime you need help from me, I'm here to help you out. And, you know, hopefully we can do some things in the future, man. I appreciate it. My last thing, and then thank you for having me on, uh, Ravens plus 700 to win the Super Bowl. What do you I just think? The, from, I just, from an unbiased, because I'm obviously biased, but when I bet on sports, I am unbiased. Like I tweeted, the Ravens were 12-2 and two in week 14 or 15, and I tweeted out, the Chiefs right now are the best value you might ever get in sports betting to win the Super Bowl. They obviously went on to win. So I am unbiased, but I do think this could be our year. What do you think? Does does Antonio Brown get no, added to no that? Shot. No, no, it's no, no, shot. you don't you don't even want him? No, I mean I would, but I just know the organization. There's no chance. After you the think Ray Harbaugh Rice, can like keep him in check? I do, but I know after Bashadi came out post Ray Rice situation. That they're not going to take. Shot. Yeah, yeah they thing. can't because he's still on the exemplist. It's not like he got cleared or anything. There's still stuff to be seen. Yeah, I put I put the bucks at plus fifteen hundred yesterday. Yeah. As soon as the Gronk news came out, I'm like, I can do it. I can hedge it out. Listen, I love Lamar Jackson. They just need to get him a wide receiver. Like I felt really bad yeah. for him. Like he's trying everything. There's six drops could that could have been touchdowns. In yeah, that yeah. John Brown can't be your number one. Your tight yeah. end can't be your number one. Yeah. But this draft is full of wide receivers. Like this is the, the yep. best wide receiver draft they're calling like in like five to 10 years. So as long as you guys get 
And I always, for whatever reason, I grew up – so I grew up a 49ers fan because I was mm. a fan of Steve Young, even though I lived in New York. Then when that was over, I always had a soft spot in my heart for Ray Lewis. Yep. I just think the guy has a tenacity and an energy and a motor. And then when you hear him speak, like, if you ever watch, like, a podcast, like, my mentor is David Meltzer, and he did a podcast with Meltzer. And, like, this guy is, like, on a whole different. other level. Yeah. Like, not only, like – He's probably one of the smartest dudes in football ever, like, to know the game so inside and out, Mm -hmm. being a linebacker. But the passion that he has, like, he never lost a day, I don't think. Like, every single day, he went, like, 150%. So, I always had a respect for the Ravens. So, like, deep down inside, I'm a Ravens fan, like, over, like, a lot of other teams. If I'm ranking my football teams, anytime the Ravens are there, I'll root for them. I like Lamar's game. Um, I do think last year was a peak, though, like, how really? can you get better? Yeah, how can I you don't, get better than that season? Like they don't go fourteen and two. Rushing right, and right. It's, it's like they don't go fourteen and two. They yeah. don't go Lamar MVP, but they definitely have the team. And if Lamar makes another step and they add the wide receiver, replacing Yonda is going to be tough. That's what people don't understand. Is the hole was wide receiver and linebacker, yep. but losing a Pro Bowl Hall of Fame offensive lineman in the offense we run is crucial. Um, but I don't know. I think like every I like time, the bet, man, they're a solid team. You just every need- time he gets, well, the funny thing is our defense, in my opinion, is the best in the league. That's what people don't understand is all the flashiness is on offense. When in reality, we have the best defense in the league. So as long as we don't fall behind, like we did in the last two playoff games, we're in a really good spot. Lamar has been doubted coming out of college. He's a running back. He's a running back. He's a running back. And he went to the playoffs as a running back then his whole year he's a running back he leads the league in passing touchdowns win mvp now the new thing is he can't win a playoff game so give him a whole off season a whole season of i can't win a playoff game make that next jump yeah i don't know i'll take that bet man i can definitely get behind it the chiefs are gonna be they're bringing like everybody back like they have their entire team back they got draft picks they're gonna be a tough team to beat no matter what but if you guys just get a wide receiver like you need a like a, di- we need like a one, a, a solid one, yep. and a solid even two because I don't even think what you had now. Hollywood was came on at the end of the year. He was hurt a lot, but he played pretty big in the playoff game. And when he was healthy, he was good. I don't think he's big enough to be a number yeah, one yet. The yeah. problem is, like, can you f- truly find a number one big wide receiver in an NFL draft? They can become ones, but outside of Jerry Judy, like, I don't think CeeDee Lamb or Ruggs even – become a strong number one in, as a rookie, and we're trying to win now. Yeah, and that's the other problem. I mean, kind of tempering people's expectation because this offseason, no matter what, is going to be shortened. Yeah. And then that quarterback-wide receiver combination, yeah. like I want them to go out in free agency, and there's nobody really left, though, at this right. point. Like, they really needed – that's why I mentioned Antonio Brown. That's yeah. the guy. Totally. That's I the guy that they need. Yeah. You know, they had him – that line will go from 700 down to like 250. They'll probably be the favorites up with the Chiefs. But if they get that one, that wide receiver one, I don't know. There's not too many trades in football, but you never know. Yeah, things can happen with this this draft that's coming up in a couple of days. So maybe they can make something happen. But I'll definitely, you know, I'm with you though. I'm not ready to go to a game. But yeah. when this all kind of clears out and it's safe to go to a game, I'll come down to see a game with you in Baltimore. Come I'm- down to go check out stadiums and. Baltimore is a nice city. Um, you know, everything's kind of centrally located right there. So I'm down to go check out the game one day. But 
we got to wait a little while to everything kind of is up, man. For sure. All right, man. Have a good day. And thank you for coming by. Where can everybody follow you? You want to follow you on Twitter? Yeah. Um, Instagram followers. Yeah. There's so many platforms now. It's like, here's my Instagram. Here's my Twitter. Whatever. Most is just Jack Settlement. And then just be familiar with Snapback Sports and Whistle Sports. And you'll be able to find me on whatever platform is out there i love to talk to people though so if people listen they want advice they want to talk sports betting talk sports love to talk i think that's the fun of social media is like you and i can connect and we're not even the same place what is just before i let you go one last question what is snapback is it is it a swag merchandise social (laughs) media platform what is your goal for yeah in a sentence is uh sports not sports media company, but it's a sports media brand that's just fun. It's exciting. It's highlights. It's merchandise. It's who we are. So Baby Goat, that's my nickname for Lamar. So people from the snapback following know when I say the Baby Goat who, who that is. Um, same thing with Ankle Sock Gang. I play all my basketball games in ankle socks. That's like a mentality thing. People think I'm not good come out step on their throat so those are like some core values and elements of snapback sports but overall it's just a fun sports media little little thing all right man keep building your brand you're doing a good job man i'll talk to you soon on the flip side all right i appreciate it jason i'll talk to you later later brother